I Read Comics, Episode 11. Yes, it's another comics podcast, and the big difference is, I'm doing it, and I'm a girl. That's right, a girl that reads comics. My name is Lena Taylor, and I read comics. I don't usually scout around the internet to find reviews of this show, because... I kind of don't care, and I get enough feedback through the email and the comments. And I'm grateful for all those emails and comments that you send, so please keep sending them. But one of the guys over at Comic Geek Speak told me that my show, this show, along with Comic Geek Speak and some of the other comics podcasts were reviewed, and I'm not even going to say who did the review. And um, the guy who reviewed my show said that the beginning was depressing. And I don't really understand that. And all I can think about is either the fact that I'm a girl makes him depressed or he doesn't like the music and thinks the music is depressing. And if he thinks that the music that you just heard, the beautiful, beautiful music that um, Ginger Meyerson does is depressing, then, you know, he's fucked because it's not depressing. It's great music. And I'm going to keep playing it. So on this week's edition of the show, I have... Lots of things to talk about, very few of them actually being comic books, because I didn't have time to read the comic books that I have this week, which is really sad and pathetic. I have a copy of Torso that I have been waiting to read. I also got from the library. My library score this week is Alan Moore's Top Ten, the first volume of it, and I'm really looking forward to reading that as well. But you know what? I just haven't had time to do it. But I did want to get back to something that I had raised couple of shows ago, which is my complaint and wishing for a place where I could read web comics and other comics all in one place, all at one time. And a number of people sent me in suggestions, and I finally took the time to go through and explore each of the suggestions that were made. The one that several people had mentioned was something called Comic Alert, and I think it's at comicalert.com. And I went and I, I checked it out, and Comic Alert is not really what I'm looking for. It does provide an RSS feed that tells you when the comics you like have been updated, but it doesn't grab them and put them in one place. So that's close, but no cigar. There's another one called Comic Nation that a lot of people use, which also does the same sort of thing. It puts all the URLs for the new comics on one page that you can check out, and you still have to click through and go look at them all individually. And let me reiterate, the reason why I want this is because I'm really lazy, and I don't want to click through to all of the different sites to look at them. I want them to be like my friends' pages in LiveJournal, where it's just there. It comes to me. I don't have to go get it. A couple other people had suggested that since I'm a Mac geek, that in Safari I could use a feature whereby you can create a bunch of bookmarks and open them all at one time using the tabs feature. And that's pretty cool too, and I haven't done that, but I probably will. What I wanted to recommend, I think I want to recommend this, and I've just been playing with it in the last half hour or so, so I'm not going to give it a strong recommendation, but so far it looks like what I want. It's (laughs) a thing called Comic Slurper. Isn't that a great name? Um, And it's under the, the... 
company, I'll put that in quotes, uh, Darkgate. And really, it's a guy who built this little software thing that allows you to choose from a list of comics that he has he has a list of things that you can choose from. You click on them, you add them to a page, and then you, on the fly you're creating an XML feed for it that you can then add to whatever your reader is. And I'm not cool enough to use blog lines, so I just stick it in my Yahoo, and it seems to work. It does. It gets all the comics, and it puts them in one place. And that's what I want, so I'm really, really happy about it. The other reason I'm really, really happy is that it has year one in there, Mike Parkinson's comic, which is kind of what I was looking for. So now I can have it all in one place. So I'm going to use it and test it and get back to you all to let you know how it's working out. I note that there is a place where you can suggest more comics for him to add, but I also see that he's not taking suggestions right now. Um, looks like he's been doing some traveling and hasn't updated the site in a little while, but I am going to try to do it. I noticed in a discussion about this on another forum, people were questioning the uh, copyright issues involved because clearly this is not an official site. It's really just an aggregator and you know, whatever. I, I don't know if this is violating some sort of um, copyright arrangement, but really I don't care because I just want to read them and I'm not copying them and I'm not selling them and I'm not giving them to other people. I just want them all in one place. Kind of the way it is when I get my newspaper, my San Francisco Chronicle. So, so far so good. Comic Slurper. Terrible name. Good product. If anybody out there has other examples of something that does this, what I'm looking for, this thing that puts all the comics in one place, please let me know because I'd like to have other backups in case this doesn't work or this guy's site falls apart or he gets a real job, something like that. So let's take a little musical break and then we're going to come back and talk about some things that I've been watching on TV. Once more, big props to the library. The movie I wanted to talk about first is something called Comic Book Confidential, which was directed by a guy named Ron Mann. This movie came out in 1988, so it's old. And it's on videotape. It's not even on DVD. And that was kind of fun, watching a videotape. Haven't done that for a while. And this is a documentary about a lot of different people who do comics. Um, the combination of artists and writers that are interviewed is eclectic, to say the least. It ranges from people like Jack Kirby, Harvey Kurtzman, and Stan Lee, to Harvey Picard and Spain and Art Spiegelman and Bill Griffith, with a lot of other people thrown in, a lot of time on Crumb, of course. And nicely enough, some uh, really good women artists represented, like Linda Barry and Sherry Flanagan, who I had never seen interviewed anywhere before, and I absolutely love her art. I was so happy to see her in here. Of course, there could have been a lot more women, but, you know, three or four out of 20. That's okay. And it's it's a weird movie because it was done in 1988, and a lot has changed since then. And it seems like the director was trying to show the difference between what would be considered classic comics represented by people like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, um, and then the newer stuff, you know, what Spiegelman was doing in Raw at the time, and 
trying to show a little bit of where comics might be going. There was a lot of time spent um, talking with uh, Harvey Kurtzman and uh, Bill Gaines about Mad Magazine as well, because there was a lot of really groundbreaking stuff being done there, especially Basil Wolverton too. So it's kind of weird. Um, and I think one of the things that it doesn't do at all is to sh- to really show where comics were going to go after 1988, because things changed pretty dramatically in the world of superhero comics, for one thing, with Marvel and DC. Um, there's no hint at all of what was to come with imprints like Vertigo and Dark Horse and the smaller, um, not mainstream, but more mainstream type of comics that, that came out in the superhero genre, and then the huge explosion of small press and independent stuff that happened, too. Um, the they talked to Bill Griffith. They talked to um, Spain, who it, it was more of a 60s guy, but I know he's continued to do a lot of work since then. Talked to Spiegelman about Mouse, and which was then just in production. I mean, he hadn't really gotten to the end of it at that point. And the one guy that they talked to who stands out like a sore thumb in here is um, Jaime Hernandez. And I'm just noticing that his name is misspelled on the cover of this. They spell it Jamie, like he's um, a white guy. <laughs> and he's totally not. And it's really funny to see him drawing and talking about um, a really old, old for me, looking back on it, um, Maggie and Hopi cartoon. I looked at it and I went, I remember that. That's such a long time ago. Wow, his style has changed so much since then. And it's it's kind of neat to see that um, just starting up. So that was a really cool thing. Um, there's some really odd things about it. I think it's more... It's better as a historical document than it is a documentary. It has a really good um, overview of some of the Golden Age and Silver Age comics. It's always great to see Jack Kirby. It's always great to see Stanley because he's so funny. Um, he's just the kind of guy who's born to be on camera and very glib and saying all these funny things. And um, it, it does a pretty good job of talking about Mad Magazine and what happened there. And it's, it's kind of a... a even better overview of the 60s underground comics that were, you know, in 1988, only 20 years past, so it doesn't seem like a million years ago the way it kind of does now. Um, the, the Crumb stuff is interesting, and if you're interested in Robert Crumb, I would definitely suggest seeing the documentary about him, which is called Crumb, which is a great movie. I've seen that a couple of times, and I really like it. Uh, he's a freak, and it's a great movie about a freak. Um, and in here, there's a some stuff on Crumb and some stuff on the other guys and the weirdest part of this whole movie and I kind of don't understand why it's here so if anybody's seen it and they can explain this to me I would like to know Uh, just to back up for a second most of the creators who are interviewed here are um, in their offices they're standing around they're just you know they're talking like I said um, Heme is drawing up on a board which is kind of cool and it's all you know interviews and then they get to this interview with Dan O'Neill and Dan O'Neill was one of the San Francisco 60s guys who did this thing called Air Pirates um, with some of the other artists at the time and it was a, a huge issue because they were directly making fun of Mickey Mouse and Disney, and they got sued by Disney, and it dragged on for a really long time, and Disney won in the end, but since Dan O'Neill was a comic book artist, he had no assets, so there was nothing that they could actually get from him. Um, and he talks a lot about what happened and why they did it, and the fact that they made a huge mistake in not claiming that it was parody. They were actually calling Mickey Mouse Mickey Mouse and not trying to make a parody version of it. Um, Here's the really weird part. Dan O'Neill is interviewed in a bar. It could be a strip joint. 
I don't really know. He's sitting on a pool table, and these half-naked women are kind of walking around in back of him shooting pool, standing next to him shooting pool and, like, leaning over so you can see their tits, and they're wearing almost skirts and fishnet stockings. And I don't really understand what that had to do with Dan O'Neill and Air Pirates. It was a little puzzling. Not completely offensive, just a little puzzling. So if anybody knows why that was in there, unless Dan O'Neill is is a total weirdo and insisted that these women be here, not quite sure about that. So in sum, I think Comic Book Confidential is really interesting, and I think it's way past time for there to be more documentaries about comic book artists and creators because God knows there's enough of them out there and there could be some really interesting films. If people know about other more recent documentaries in this vein, I would really like to see it. So please send me email at lena at troubledscience.com or leave a comment on the blog, and I will try to find them. Maybe the library will have them or... Oh my god, I might be forced to actually buy something. But let me know, and then we can share it with the rest of the class. I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast because it was, you know, a thousand years ago, but the new season of Teen Titans started on Cartoon Network and I watched the first episode and it totally rocked. So I'm very happy about Teen Titans. I love Teen Titans. Um, I was just noticing in the older versions of Teen Titans that the theme song sung by those crazy Japanese ladies is actually in Japanese and now it's in English. Not quite sure why they switched it. I kind of like it in Japanese better, but it was, it was really good. Um, interesting that they're uh, putting some new guest characters in there. The first episode called Homecoming Part 1 had a ton of Incredibles references in it, which I thought was very, very cleverly done. Um, Not a rip-off, but more of an homage. I know there's a fine line between those two things. There was also a Doctor Who joke, which I thought was pretty good. Um, The main bad guy looks like a Dalek. I mean, he really looks like a Dalek. That was pretty funny. And it was very serious. The animation was really good. Um, I don't know whether I have missed too many Teen Titans episodes where the animation was this good. But man, the fight sequences in this were, I hate to say it, totally awesome, dude. They were great. They used some techniques that I hadn't seen them using before where they were slowing the action down and uh, rotating the point of view around the character who was in midair. So much more um, manga style, but I liked it. I I didn't think it was quite so derivative of the other um, anime manga tricks that they use. And it was nice to see, you know, Beast Boy coming to the fore because I love Beast Boy. He's so cute. So go Teen Titans. Uh, Very excited to see what happens in the rest of the season. 
And continuing on in that TV vein, the other thing I wanted to talk about was that um, I dropped a bunch of money on the next issue of the Looney Tunes Golden Collection. This is Volume 2, which just came out about a month ago. And uh, I really, really needed to have this because my collection of Looney Tunes cartoons are on video, and they're either stuff that I taped off TV or videos that I had like rented and copied, and the quality was really horrible. So to have them on DVD, uncut... Um, with beautiful sound and restored color and commentary too, which is great. It's just a wonderful thing. If you like Looney Tunes cartoons, I would seriously say go out and buy these things. They're expensive, but then you have them forever. I wanted to talk about one thing that uh, was confirmed by finally getting this. The, the first Looney Tunes collection, the Golden Collection Volume 1, had Rabbit of Seville in it, which is one of my absolute most favorite cartoons. Um, Volume 2 has What's Opera Doc, which is the Wagner parody, and I hadn't seen that in a long time. And I have been watching both of those cartoons to see which one I like better. So let me tell you first, most people think that What's Opera Doc is the better of the two, because it's Wagner, and they did a wonderful job of parodying, parodying all the Wagnerian cliches that you see in not necessarily in a production of the ring cycle, but it's just the, what's in society and what we think of as the typical Wagner stuff. And having Bug, Bugs Bunny in drag, of course, there he is in drag again, um, dressed up like Brunhilde being very slender on top of this enormous tank-like horse is great. The music is great. The little dance sequences are great. But I have to say, me personally, I think Rabbit of Seville is so much funnier. I don't know if it's better. It's so much funnier. It is one of the funniest Bugs Bunny cartoons ever. And I don't know whether it's the combination of the music, which is wonderful music, um, or just the plotting. Um, one of the things I love about it is that it starts off by putting Bugs and Elmer right into a stage production. There's kind of no prelude to it. There's no pretense that you're going to see them chasing each other. They just kind of come into the theater and everything starts. Um, and to hear Bugs Bunny singing these wonderfully funny lyrics in his Brooklyn accent is great. The animation in it, I also think, is in some ways superior to What's Opera Doc because uh, there's a lot of scenes of Bugs being the barber and shaving Elmer, and the way his body is moving around him as he's doing all this is just incredible. I can't describe it. You have to see it. Someone had once characterized the way Chuck Jones does animation is the characters move from pose to pose, unlike somebody like Tex Avery, which is all about movement. But Chuck Jones is very much a pose guy, and you can see that each of the poses that the characters fall into, he's been very particular about, and the movement between the poses is very quick. And that really comes to the fore in Rabbit of Seville. So Bugs especially moves from pose to pose to pose. In a lot of cases, his facial expression is completely um, frozen, in this very, his own world-weary way with his eyes sort of half-closed and his hands are moving around or his ears are moving or his feet is, are moving. But his face stays the same. He's so deadpan and so droll about it. And Elmer, too, moves from pose to pose. And it, it's just wonderful to see them. Plus it has this the weird little interlude when he's um, being the senorita and uh, playing the, the um, horny snake charming, the little razor, too. Oh, I love Rabbit of Seville. It is my most favorite. So you know what? Kill me. I don't think What's Opera Doc is the best one, but I do love Rabbit of Seville. It's my most favorite. This one also has a really good collection of um, Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons, which 
you probably shouldn't watch all in one go. I actually sat down and watched that whole disc through, and by the end, my head was spinning a little bit. But it does have some, some very good ones on here. The ones that haven't come out on DVD, and I'm guessing they're going to be on the next collection, are the two where um, the coyote meets Bugs Bunny, and those are really good also. Um, that's where we get Wiley Coyote, super genius from. And I love those as well. So yay for Looney Tunes. Can't wait to get some more of them. Um, at some point, I will probably get hold of... There's at least one DVD out that had uh, the Looney Tunes cartoons that came out during the war. So they're pretty politically incorrect. And uh, those are pretty interesting. I used to have a copy on video, but I don't know what happened to it. It's in a box somewhere. And I'd like to talk about those a little bit more. Um, they there are regular cartoons that have had pieces cut from them because they were deemed to be offensive and you know sure enough they are pretty offensive but it's good to have them as something that's part of american culture we can't deny that it existed that during world war 2 you know asian people especially japanese people were called japs and uh, there were just terrible stereotypes and caricatures, but it's also good that they're preserved and we can see them to see where we've come from and where we're going. So um, this is definitely on my recommend list, even though it's expensive. I bought mine from Amazon, but I will tell you, go and buy it from somewhere else because I don't want to give Amazon any more of my money. I'm sorry, I don't have any gay porn this week. Actually, I do have gay porn, but I haven't read it enough to be able to talk intelligently about it. But I did want to say that uh, Ginger and I are going to uh, Yaoi Khan at the end of October. It's in San Francisco. It's October 28th through the 30th. There's a website at yaoikan.com. And I think I will probably get enough gay porn manga there to last me, I don't know, a year or more, possibly. Um... I've talked about this before, but just to be clear, Yahweh is uh, Japanese manga. It's not always manga. It can be novels and short stories. Um, it's produced generally by female artists and writers, and it is about romantic, emotional, and sexual relationships of boys, boys together. So if you don't like that kind of stuff, you can stop listening right now. Um, most of the Yahweh that I've seen is not really sexual in nature. The uh, more explicit stuff is Shonen Ai. But sometimes there's there's Yahweh that has more graphic sex. As Ginger likes to say, there are just no dicks involved in it. And the sex is generally like a blowjob. But I'm, I'm, we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to see what's there. We're going to try to do some interviews, um, look around and introduce ourselves to some of the publishers and see if they would like to give us some free manga because we would like to look at it. If anybody else is planning on going to Yahweh Khan, let me know and maybe we can meet up. I'm kind of thinking that my fan base isn't really into that, but you never know. Um, I know there's at least one person who said they might go to BassCon, which is the Star Trek slash con that I'm also going to uh, in a couple of weeks. 
but uh, I just wanted to let everybody know about that. I'm anticipating a deeply weird experience because even though this is an over-18 con, I, I know just from looking around online and from some of the email that we have gotten at the Lincoln Heights Literary Society where we review a lot of manga and um, I've reviewed some yaoi and so has Ginger, I know that the fan base for yaoi is weird. I mean, really weird. Um, really passionate, really obsessive, and, you know, just kind of weird. So I'm thinking this is going to be a large conference room in a hotel in San Francisco filled with a lot of women who are really into gay manga. Now, it's it's different from gay porn. I want to stress that. Manga is, is a whole different emotional category, I, I would say. I hope I'm not being too obscure with that. But um, unlike somebody like, oh, me? for example, who likes it because I like to see the sex in it. You know, the emotional stuff is good, too. Uh, I think the women who really, really like Yahweh are just totally sold on the emotional content of it, which is always very, very angsty. There's a lot of unrequited love and kind of moaning over each other and, and tears and, and like that. You know, it, it, there's always the, the problem in the relationship that ends with the two guys getting together at some point. And I think that's what they're really turned on by. And, you know, I, I enjoy that once in a while, but it, it's not what I want a diet of. So who are these women? What do they look like? And um, how much money are they going to drop on this stuff? I understand that there are supposed to be some events happening, but so far on the website, none of them are listed. So that will be interesting. If there is a costume contest, I'm going to stay really far away from that. I can't imagine that there will be one. But it looks like there's supposed to be some panels, and there are supposed to be some guests. I don't know. You know, it's less than a month to this con, and the website is pretty empty. And really, that's not a good thing. Um, so I'll have a report on YoeCon when I get back, if I live couple more things to wrap stuff up. Um, wanted to say that I got some books from Tomorrow's and I haven't read them yet because I haven't had time to read them but they look really great. I got the Roy Thomas issue of um, Alter is it Alter Ego? Oh my god I can't even remember now. Um, <laughs> it's a special about Roy Thomas which looks really interesting and I also got the companion for um, Legion of the Superheroes which looks great. Um, I am going to be reading the Conan issue of Back Issues sometime really soon, as soon as I get it into my hot little hands. So that will be good. I was going through some of my collection, and I was starting to reread the original Jack Kirby New Gods. Wow, is that weird or what? I have to say the art in that is so fucking amazing. I could not believe how good it was. I need to go back and read them in a little more depth, but... You know, Kirby was a weird guy, and the plot line in that was so convoluted, like you couldn't hardly figure out what was going on. But, oh, the art, amazing art, some of the best art ever. He was really hitting some kind of a, a peak there with the way he was drawing them, and it's very much in the stylized Jack Kirby way. So if you don't like the way he draws things, you will hate New Gods, because it just looks like him all over. But, wow, I was just totally amazed. I had forgotten how good it was, and it was really great to, to read them again. Um, I also wanted to say that I'm really mad at Neil Gaiman right now because he went to the White House and had lunch with Laura Bush and a bunch of other authors who were invited. <laughs> What's up with that? I used to respect him, and now I'm not respecting him so much because he accepted an invitation to go to the White House, the Bush White House. Um, kind of not cool, and I don't want to turn this into a political podcast, but I have to say, given the current state of the world and our country, that was not really a very cool thing to do. 
And I also wanted to give uh, another shout-out to Glenn O'Neill's Comic Fight Club. He sent me this cool little badge, which I'm putting up on the blog, um, to say that, that I'm a listener and you can get one, too. He he does really funny things. Um, I love the fact that he pairs up all these weird combinations of superheroes to see who's going to win. And Glenn's also the guy who sent me the Star Trek X-Men crossover comic books, which I still haven't gotten around to reading yet. I pretty much need to take a vacation from my life and just sit around and read comic books for a week to catch up on all this stuff. But I will catch up on stuff for the next time I do a podcast, and I will have actual comic books to talk about instead of stuff that kind of orbits around comic books, which is fun too. So um, until next time, send me your comments, send me your email, and I'll be back soon.